the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey, good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. Today we'll take a look at some of the top news stories over the past week and we'll take a look at the lighter side of the news. For that, I've invited James Blend to join me. So he will do just that. And for those of you in the Portland area, we'll uh, share this week's Christian Outlook. Seattle, you'll be leaving us after this first hour. So let's just hit the ground running. Well, the White House was forcefully criticized after they sent a letter this week calling on the media to increase scrutiny of House Republicans and their impeachment inquiry into President Biden. Well, Ian Sams, a special assistant to the president and spokesperson for the White House Counsel's Office, wrote the letter. Well, the White House urged media outlets to ramp up their scrutiny of House Republicans for opening an impeachment inquiry, which is simply that an inquiry. It's not an impeachment of Biden in a sharp message that news organizations uh, received to, on Wednesday. Well, Republican Iowa Representative Ashley Henson called the letter outrageous. Has the White House gotten so bold that they're brazenly telling the media to uh, predetermine their coverage? She wrote on uh, X, formerly known as Twitter. As a former reporter, this is outrageous, she went on to say. Republicans will follow the facts wherever they will lead, and the media should report the facts without bias. Well, Jonathan Turley, who is a legal analyst and George Washington University law professor, he wrote that Biden's White House letter had an uncomfortable feeling of marching orders to the media. It's a call for media to tailor the coverage to push the position of the White House against this effort to ramp up the investigation into corruption. It is an approach that is already embraced by many in the media, he wrote. He went on, The White House is now calling for the media to again form the wagons around the president and attack the impeachment effort as it did the laptop and the corruption investigation. Turley added that the most concerning part of the letter was there was no concern over making such an open pitch to the press. If this doesn't demonstrate the contempt the White House and Democrats have for transparency and an honest press, I don't know what does. That's a quote from North Carolina Representative Greg Murphy. Indiana Representative Rudy Yakum said the White House's move was brazen. We know the media was going to run interference on trying to cover up for the president anyway. You just don't expect the White House to be this brazen in admitting their collusion. Meanwhile, at House GOP, they'll follow the facts wherever they lead, he said. Well, others noted that the move was not okay and equated it to communist B.S., GOP House Speaker Kevin McCarthy announced a formal impeachment inquiry into uh, Biden on Tuesday. We'll talk more about that. And House Republicans uncovered serious and credible allegations into the president's conduct or misconduct, he said at the time. Today, I'm directing our House committees to open a formal impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden, McCarthy announced in a statement at Capitol Hill on Tuesday. This uh, logical next step will give our committees the full power to gather all the facts and answer for the American public. Well, several people on X referred to the move as more um, kind of marching orders. 
Other members of Congress called out the letter as well, as Republican Virginia Representative Bob Good described it as an unseen level of collusion between the media and Biden. The White House didn't return requests for comments on that letter. It was a pretty big, uh, big deal. Again, it wasn't surprising that the White House would call upon the media to take cover for them, but it was surprising that it was such an open letter available for everyone to see and read. Another story, multiple liberal columnists have now urged the president to ditch the vice president, Kamala Harris, as his running mate for the 2024 presidential election. Now, that's aside from those who are calling for him to um, abandon his effort to seek reelection altogether. Well, columnists at The Washington Post, The New York Magazine's uh, The Intelligencer, uh, and a prominent independent writer said there are better options available for Biden's running mate and that he should choose one of them if he wants a shot at winning reelection. Among the Democrats mentioned to replace Harris were Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer, uh, Georgia Senator Raphael Warnock and Illinois Senator Tammy Duckworth. Uh, in a Washington Post column from David Ignatius, the author's central argument was that Biden shouldn't run for reelection at all due to his age and because it would risk him undoing his greatest achievements, which was stopping Trump. End quote. That was, according to Ignatius, his greatest achievement. Ignatius claimed another option to strengthen his campaign would be to replace Harris if Biden didn't step down. He said Biden could encourage a more open vice presidential selection process that could produce a stronger running mate. There are many good alternatives, starting with now mayor of Los Angeles, Karen Bass, whom I uh, wish Biden had chosen in the first place, or Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo. Well, the author pointed out that the vice president's shortcomings, writing, she is less popular than Biden with a 39.5 percent approval rating, according to a polling website, 538. Harris has many laughable qualities, or rather laudable. No, that wasn't a deliberate. But the simple fact is that she has failed to gain traction in the country or even within her own party. Still, Ignatius acknowledged there is some risk to replacing Harris, adding, but breaking up the ticket would be a free-for-all that could alienate black women, a key constituency Biden might end up more vulnerable, end quote. Well, the intelligencers uh, feature Features writer Eric Levitz, he wrote a piece on Wednesday titled The Case for Biden to Drop Kamala Harris. In it, he argued that because the Democratic Party sees the sticking with Biden as the party's best option, despite his low polling, the current vice president should get the boot as her numbers are lower. Levitz stated, however bad Biden's numbers are, Vice President Kamala Harris looks worse. A CBS News Gov poll, uh, YouGov poll, Uh, Released last week, found 42 percent of Americans uh, saying that the job Harris is doing makes them think uh, worse of the Biden administration compared to just 18 percent who said it makes them feel better about the White House. He added, even among Democrats, only 41 percent said Harris made them think better of the administration. At the same time, only 30 percent of Democrats said that they felt enthusiastic about Harris being Biden's running mate. Well, the author declared, thus, there is a strong case for Biden to pick a new running mate for 2024, one with a more promising electoral track record and approval rating than Harris. Doing so would plausibly improve his odds of winning next November and put Democrats in a better position come 2028. So it was a rather interesting 
uh, back and forth, some suggesting that the president and now more voices being raised publicly that the president is too old and should not seek reelection at all. Others suggesting short of that, he should replace the current vice president with someone more vibrant and perhaps more popular within the Democrat Party. Um, Again, taking a look at some of the news stories uh, from this past week. Well, special counsel David Weiss has indicted Hunter Biden, the son of President Joe Biden, on charges that he lied on a federal form while purchasing a gun five years ago. We'll tell you more about that as we take a look at some of the top news stories for the week. Uh, Also coming up later this hour, we'll take a look at the lighter side of the news. So stay with us. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We're taking a look at some of the top news from this past week. A special counsel, David Weiss, has indicted Hunter Biden, the son of President Joe Biden, on charges that he lied on a federal form while purchasing a gun five years ago. Well, the four-page indictment filed in U.S. District Court in Delaware says that Hunter Biden knowingly made a false and fictitious written statement intended and likely to deceive a dealer in his uh, effort to acquire a Colt Cobra revolver in October of 2018. The indictment accuses Biden of certifying on a federal alcohol, tobacco and firearms form that he was not an unlawful user of and addicted to any stimulant, narcotic drug and any other controlled substance. When, in fact, as he knew, that statement was fault and false rather and fictitious. Hunter Biden's addiction struggles with illegal drugs have been in the spotlight for years. The indictment represents an about face from Weiss, who brokered a plea deal with Biden in late July that would have allowed the president's son to avoid jail time from the gun charge if he passed a drug test or tests and stayed out of legal trouble. However, the agreement fell apart after District Court Judge Mayor. Uh, let's see, Mary Ellen Norica, she cast doubt over whether the uh, compromise ensured that Hunter would avoid any forthcoming felony charges stemming from the gun indictment, as well as allegations of tax evasion. Pressed by the judge whether such a deal had any precedent for agreeing not to prosecute crimes that have nothing to do with the case or the charges being diverted, Weiss replied, I am not aware of any. Well, Attorney General Merrick Garland announced Weiss's designation as special counsel in August after he came under fire from Republicans. The indictment wasn't a surprise. Weiss had uh, indicated earlier this month that he was likely to seek the indictment on the guns charges sometime in September. And that was yesterday. Weiss, who has uh, been leading the sprawling investigation since late 2018, has been accused by Republicans of dragging his feet on the investigation because Hunter Biden is the president's son. The statute of limitations on the gun charge was about to lapse in the case. Weiss has said he could still bring tax evasion charges against Biden in California or Washington, D.C. Biden is accused of repeatedly missing IRS tax deadlines. Well, the president gave a major speech yesterday, an economic address, Explaining to the American people why Bidenomics, which was originally a derisive term he has now embraced, is good for America. But thanks to Bidenomics, inflation is rising again. If it is uh, if it really is the economy, stupid, as was said by James Carville famously years ago, then Joe Biden and company are cruising for a bruising come November of 24. Now, that's a open speculation. Ironically, Biden has uh, embraced his uh, mess uh, of an ec- of an economy and gleefully branded it Bidenomics. Um, in doing so, Team Biden has sought to spin this uh, demonstrably bad economy as really not bad at all. In fact, according to Biden, it's doing great. 
Well, the media talking heads mostly go along with the uh, gaslighting. In early August, Newsweek published an article declaring Biden's economy is booming. Here's why you're not feeling it. Well, shouldn't you feel it if it's booming? Well, anyway, the article quoted a former economic advisor for Ronald Reagan, Arthur Laffer, who said, if I were a Biden economist today, I'd be smiling. Why? Well, according to Laffer, inflation numbers are coming way down. Employment numbers appear to be strong. Real wages for the first time appear to be increasing. The GDP number is 2.4 percent. And that, uh, at least in recent historical context, is pretty good. The stock market had 11 straight days of positives. Well, at that moment, he was right. But today's economic news is telling a very different story. Inflation has reversed course and is rising again for the second straight month. It's now back to uh, back up to 3.7 percent over last year after a month's jump of point zero three or point three. Meanwhile, for the third straight year, Americans inflation adjusted median household income has decreased down another 2.3 percent from last year. The reality is that Bidenomics after a pandemic is making Americans poorer. Everything costs increasingly more in Biden's America. Well, speaking of being poor, that lowest unemployment rate Biden boasts about hasn't translated into reducing the poverty rate. Last year, poverty in America rose to double digits, coming in at 12.4 percent, which was up from 7.8 percent in 2021 and 5.2 percent in 2020. Uh, For the president's party, who have a long history of complaining over any kind of wealth gap in America, Biden has been far worse for the country than Donald Trump ever was with those supposed tax cuts for the wealthy. Well, it's not just Biden's massive spending programs that has resulted in this negative economy. It's also his war on fossil fuels. The price of gas hit an all-time high last summer and has uh, still not come back down to anywhere near the price when Trump was in office. Uh, Last month, overall energy prices rose 10.6 percent, which was the leading factor contributing to the jump in inflation. Well, in another news story, as the uh, United Auto Workers Union is poised to go on a targeted strike against Detroit's three biggest automakers. Well, it was supposed to happen at midnight on Friday. Well, the administration officials were preparing this week. Uh, economic measures to protect suppliers to the auto industry for the long-term damage. That's according to three people aware of the internal conversations going on in anticipation of the decision made at midnight last night. And while the administration is not expected to intervene in the strike, the president's aides are worried that a protracted walkout could wipe out thousands of suppliers that depend on the auto business for the three key automakers, Ford, General Motors, and uh, Stellantis. Uh, said people who spoke uh, on condition of anonymity to describe private deliberations. A widespread failure of these smaller supplier firms, which number as many as 5,600, could impede the broader U.S. auto supply chain even after the possible strike ends, according to people in the know. Douglas Andrews wrote an interesting column uh, suggesting that Scranton Joe Biden fancies himself a union guy, a union president, but that just doesn't pass the giggle test Anymore. After all, how many union guys do you know who live in a mansion once owned by the DuPont family with a six bedroom beach house uh, to boot? How many union guys do you know who dispatch their uh, well, I'm not even going to go into that. Well, maybe uh, this um, idea hasn't quite trickled down. All right. In another top story, a U.S. official of naval intelligence, um, the ONI slide 
that has uh, was leaked online highlights concerns over a rapidly expanding Chinese Navy and the country's continued capability to produce ships at a faster pace than the United States. Well, the Chinese see this decade as a strategic opportunity. That's a quote from Senior Research Fellow for Navy Warfare and Advanced Technology and the Center for National Defense at the Heritage Foundation, Brent Sadler. I don't see any near-term bending of the curve where we actually start closing the gap with the Chinese, end quote. Well, Sadler's comments come after images of the unclassified Office of Naval Intelligence slide have been widely circulated around the Internet. The image, which was picked up by the War Zone report, show China's massive shipbuilding capability as compared to the United States. The slide's authenticity was confirmed by a Navy spokesperson who cautioned that it was not meant to be in uh, an in-depth analysis. The slide was developed by the Office of Naval Intelligence from multiple public sources as part of an overall brief on strategic competition. The slide provides context and trends on China's shipbuilding uh, capability, and it's not intended as a deep dive Uh, into the PRC's commercial shipbuilding industry, the People's Republic of China. The slide shows the Chinese shipyards have a capacity of about 23.2 million tons compared to less than 100,000 tons in the U.S., making Chinese shipbuilding capacity more than 232 times greater than that of the United States. Another top story from the week. Since the overturning of Roe versus Wade, GOP politicians have seen several losses both in the voting booth and in state legislation. A controversial private meeting was proposed for a small select group of GOP senators to discuss what may have changed in the abortion debate. Well, according to the Senate Leadership Fund, Super PAC, the problem is the way that people now understand the terms surrounding the debate. Pro-life, pro-choice and members of Congress are considering changing their vocabulary. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we'll take a look at the lighter side of the news. James Blend, my producer here in Portland, will join me. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. We spent the first couple of segments of today's program looking at some of the top stories for the week. We didn't get to all of them, but we covered them during the week. And this second half, we're going to take a look at the lighter side of the news. I don't know about you, but I need to take a deep breath and just, I don't know, take a look at something that's not quite so ominous, if you will. Speaking of things that aren't quite so ominous, James Blinn, my producer here in Portland, joins me to take a look at the lighter side of the news. Hey, James. Hi, thank you for that amazing introduction. It, it it honored me, it humbled me, and okay, it did none of those things, actually. Yeah, clearly you misunderstood. Yeah, I know. <laughs> anyway, I'm glad to have you with us. Now, what so did you, you think say. about uh, this uh, story that broke uh, this week? Mexican lawmakers heard testimony that we are not alone in the universe and saw the alleged remains of non-human beings in an extraordinary hearing marking the Latin American country's first congressional event on UFOs. And the hearing on Tuesday... Um, on F-A-N-I, the Spanish acronym for what is um, usually now termed Unidentified Anomalous Phenomenon, or UAP, politicians were shown two artifacts that Mexican journalists and longtime UFO enthusiast Jamie Masson, he claimed were the corpses of extraterrestrials. Now, this isn't the first time he's presented evidence, and it's fallen short, but the specimens were not related to any life on Earth, he says. The two tiny bodies, which looked strangely like every science fiction movie you've ever seen, displayed in cases, have three fingers on each hand and elongated heads. 
He said that they were recovered in Peru near the ancient Naz. Uh, Nazca lines in 2017. He said that they were about a thousand years old, analyzed through a carbon dating process by Mexico's National Autonomous University. Similar such findings in the past have turned out to be, well, the remains of mummified children. But Nassen said it was the first time such evidence had been presented. Uh, we are not alone. Your thoughts, uh, Jimmy? You know, I, I, everything I have ever seen presented has been comical to me or very clearly not what they think it is. Now, I don't know. The answer is I don't know. And that's fine. I'm completely comfortable, um, you know, not knowing. But, uh, you know, the fact is uh, it's not obvious, and I'm okay with it not being obvious. My faith does not require an answer one way or the other. And, uh, you know, if people want to believe what they want to believe, that's fine. But it doesn't, uh, nothing has ever come across that I've gone, Oh, maybe I need to rethink that. Yeah, well, the two cartoon characters were presented to the Mexican Congress um, as uh, evidence of life elsewhere and non-human life forms. We'll continue to follow the story. Again, this isn't the first time he's made similar presentations saying we are not alone. I know I'm not alone because James Blend is on the other side of the glass here engineering today's program. Pedro is uh, in Seattle manning the board there. So no, no question, you're not alone at all. Not alone. Okay. Officer spots uh, a child on a bike. He borrows said wheels in a surprising incident. That's pretty much the story. A police officer in the United Kingdom borrowed a schoolboy's small bicycle to chase a suspected burglar through a city until she uh, caught up with the suspect. Now, that kid who started school sometime in the last few days has a story to tell. Just minding his own business, standing next to his bike when a police officer approaches him. Asks if he can borrow the bike. It's like Superman appearing from nowhere. Asks if she can borrow the bike. Takes the bike after a uh, suspect. And apparently the suspect was apprehended. And the kid plays a role in this whole uh, scenario. Pretty cool, huh? I mean, it sounds like something out of a movie or a TV show. It doesn't sound like something in real life. But, uh, yeah, it, it it does seem like the kind of thing that you can't wait to tell your school friends about. Oh, absolutely. Well, Officer Harriet Taylor approached the youngster and asked, please... Can I borrow your bike? I'm sure it was just that dramatic. Please, can I borrow your bike? I will return it to you, she said. Well, the boy who was uh, described as stunned, you know, this is a uniformed police officer, agreed and watched in amazement as the uh, Hampshire police officer set off on the small bicycle to catch the suspect. Well, body cam footage shows the pedal-powered police officer racing off after a wanted man. Uh, The police later praised the boy as a little hero and returned the bicycle to him. He then posed for a photo with the arresting officer. Hampshire police said the incident happened on Saturday night when officers were on patrol in one little town center. Um, It's on the south coast of Hampshire in southeast England, in case you're interested. Officers were searching for a wanted man, the police said, when the quick-thinking officer spotted the boy on his small bike Uh, In the White Lion Walk area of the town, the news service said the officer pedaled on the borrowed bike, eventually catching up with a man who was 47, who was arrested on suspicion of theft, burglary, shoplifting, and the rest, as they say, is history. What I'm trying to figure out, though, was was the was the uh, perpetrator on foot or on bike themselves? The perpetrator, I believe, was on foot. Okay, so that explains how they caught up to him with it. Okay, that makes yeah, a lot more a sense. Tiny, but, it was kind of a circus bike, you know, kid bike. Yeah, no, I, I've, woman. you know, I've, I've, you know, having having a little girl myself, I, you know, the kid bikes, I, I couldn't ride one. 
There's no way. Unless you were trying to apprehend a uh, a criminal. Well, and, you know, in my off hours, when am I not? <laughs> well, that's true. You know, I, I'm like I'm like one of those, you know, uh, mild radio producer by day, crime fighter by night. Okay, not really. Well, I know I'm terrified. Yeah, that's well you should be. You know, these days people have no sense of boundaries. They have no regard for antiquities. They just have nothing to prevent them from stepping out into areas that they don't belong. Earlier this week, I saw a man climbing up on an Italian statue. It's one of the famous statues, and I, I can't think of which one it is right now, and broke off a piece of it. This statue had been standing there for generations and, you know, climbed on it to get a picture. A picture. A, was it a selfie? Well, I, I don't know. But China's Great Wall has been pierced by Genghis Khan, for whom it was, of course, originally built to thwart. And now, allegedly, a couple of construction workers, Zhang and Wang, who wanted a shortcut. Well, you guess the rest. Authorities in China arrested these two gentlemen for smashing a path through a section of the ancient wall, the cultural icon and United Nations protected heritage site. I have been to the Great Wall of China. It exceeds your expectations when you're standing on it. It goes as far as the eye can see. In one direction, you turn, it goes as far as the eye can see in the other direction. And it's no small thing to burrow an opening through it, but that's apparently what they did. The area of the breach was a broken down section far from the restored segments most Chinese and foreign tourists are familiar with. The government of um, Yu Yu or Yao Yu uh, County, hundreds of kilometers west of Beijing, showed a dirt road cut through a section of the wall against a rural landscape along with two suspects identified as one 38-year-old man surnamed Zheng and 55-year-old woman surnamed Wang. Sorry, I misgendered her a moment ago. Well, the pair wanted a shorter route for some construction work that they were doing in nearby towns, the government reported. The section lies in Shangji province at the western extreme of the wall, parts of which was constructed 2,000 years ago. No big deal. we got a construction job. It's relatively well-preserved and holds important preservation and research value, the local government said. China places immense pride in the system of towers and connecting walls wide enough for carriages to pass that um, stretch approximately 8,850 kilometers or 5,500 miles, Oof. built mainly during the Ming Dynasty that lasted until 1644. Yeah, that's easily fixed. Yeah, that's, it was, that's, uh, that's, you know, that's... Yeah, right. Restored. Well, the wall was subsequently abandoned. It was plundered by uh, for bricks and stones by local villagers, only to be revived by the communist Chinese government as a symbol of patriotism, mass mobilization, and resistance to outside pressure. Wow. I mean, you know, there, it's nothing short of impressive, even for someone who hasn't been there. I, but I look at it and, and every time and go, it would be cool to see, but boy, I sure wouldn't want to walk it. No. It's it's quite the distance. You can see it from outer space. It, again, it's just a fascinating piece of construction. Let's see. Drivers on a stretch of highway in the Jacksonville, Florida area reported a mysterious yellow line weaving through the lanes. And officials said they're still trying to determine its origins. Now, let's go back to that story in Mexico. You never really know where that stuff comes from. Well, the yellow line was discovered this week on a 23-mile stretch of southbound Interstate 95, starting at the Acosta Bridge and ending in St. John's County Road 210 in St. Augustine. 
Well, drivers said the yellow line, which uh, would usually denote a barrier uh, vehicles aren't supposed to cross, weaves in and out of the lanes. Uh, You couldn't not notice it, said one driver. Some travelers raised concerns about safety. It's a yellow line with its yellow line on the, uh, the other side. Most people, especially if they're out of town, they're not really too much uh, looking at this. Uh, It's a line that goes where they're supposed to go. They're just trying to get to their destination and follow the law. Well, Florida Department of Transportation officials said that they believe the line is a result of paint spilling from a truck. But they've yet to identify the source. I don't believe that anybody has taken responsibility for it yet, and I'm not sure they will. The Florida Department of Transportation officials warned operators of self-driving vehicles to switch the feature off while traveling in the area to avoid their vehicle oh, yeah, becoming... yeah, that would be a big <laughs> problem. Yeah. We're going to have an operation where uh, we take a street sweeper with wire brush, and they're going to try to get this up. But in the meantime, if you've got a self-driving vehicle, you may be in for quite the ride. I mean, these are, these are the 21st century problems we have now with these yeah. uh, self-driving vehicles. Um, in fact, uh, I had a self, I had a 21st century parenting issue the other day, uh, where, um, our daughter woke up in the middle of the night crying and upset with us because we had deleted her profile from the app. <laughs> now this had not happened. This had been a dream that is so 21st century. Yeah. Deleted I can't believe you deleted what on earth are you talking about? We didn't do anything of the sort. And then <laughs> you dreamt it. And she thankfully accepted that explanation pretty quickly. But uh, I just looked at my wife and said, 21st century. Yeah. <laughs> and then we fell back to sleep. Did she, though? Yes. Okay. Yes, she did. Good story. Hey, we're going to take a quick break, but don't fall asleep. We're going to be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, just taking a look at some of the lighter side of the news. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. On this Friday, we're taking a look at some of the lighter side of the news. In Portland, we'll also share the uh, this week's Christian Outlook, which, by the way, you can find online if you are interested and in the Seattle area. Uh, and in Seattle, we'll be wrapping things up here at the end of this segment. Well, I, you have to see the images of this because it really is something to see. But a steer that fell down a sinkhole in England was hoisted to safety backside first with the use of some heavy equipment. Now, imagine the hole is only big enough for the steer to go through head first. It's not one of those wide ones where you can navigate equipment around it any other way. It is literally head first and all that's sticking out is its, well, backside and feet. Well, Winton uh, Castle County, uh, the park there in uh, County Durham, said staff worked together with a local farmer when the steer was found to have fallen into a deep sinkhole. The rescuers attached straps to the bovine's rear legs and it was hoisted out of the hole backside first. Well, the park said in a Facebook post that the steer is now absolutely fine in the field with his pals. I saw a picture of it standing with its uh, its pals. He's standing facing all of them, and he has literally, I'm telling you, this cow has a stunned look on his face, trying to find the words, perhaps, to explain to his fellow bovine how on earth this happened and what the experience was like. It was amazing to me that the, uh, the thing survived it, but the steer did just that, being lifted up out of a sinkhole. That's one of the things that's really scary to me is the idea of a sinkhole that all of a sudden the earth beneath you opens up and there you go. I mean, I've seen some in real life. I mean, you know, the, but and they absolutely look 100% scary. But I have to say, 
confused looks on animals. I know you're not the biggest animal <laughs> lover, but the confused look on an animal, and there is such a thing completely, um, is one of the funniest things that I've ever seen. I remember um, when my wife and I got married, and we were uh, I was in the process of moving my stuff out of out of our house and into the apartment that we would share after we got married. That um, my parents' dog came running in and went to jump on my bed. Only the mattress wasn't there anymore. Oh, no. And she didn't realize it. And you just saw her flying through the air and looking at me like, I've made a huge mistake and I'm so confused <laughs> as she flew into the, what was, you know, the basically the undering of the bed, which was empty. She jumped into an empty bed frame. Didn't get hurt or anything, but the confused look, yeah. I still look back on and laugh. Yeah. Well, that's the look that this, uh, this cow had. Wow. Or bull or whatever it was. I just, just find stunned. infinite comedy from that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he did, though. No, no. Just saying. Well, the National Toy Hall of Fame announced its 12 finalists for the 2023 induction, including baseball cards, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Battleship, and Ken. Well, the National Toy Hall of Fame at the Strong National Museum of Play in Rochester, New York, announced the finalists. Uh, it also includes Bingo. Bop It. Are you, are you familiar with Bop It? Yes, I'm familiar with Bop It. New York, I guess. No, Cap- no it's it's more of a more, I wouldn't say modern. It's it's a handheld electronic game. Okay, Bop It. Cabbage Patch Kids. Choose Your Own Adventure Books. Connect Four. The Little Tykes Cozy Coop. And Nerf Toys. And Slime. Okay. Slime. Well, the nomination of Ken comes in the wake of Ryan Gosling's portrayal of the doll in this year's blockbuster Barbie movie. Barbie was inducted into the National Toy Hall of Fame in 1998. Ken is itching to join her. The National Toy Hall of Fame turns 25 this year, and the 12 finalists for 2023 are stronger than ever. There are classic tabletop games such as Battleship and Connect Four, active toys like Little Tyke's Cozy Coop, and the ever-popular Nerf toys, and some icky fun ones like first-time finalist Slime, according to the president, rather vice president, for collections. The finalists are judged by criteria including icon status, longevity, discovery, and innovation. By the way, the inductees will be chosen on November 9th. We need to follow this story then. We do. We need to announce who the winners are. Absolutely. Slime. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know what I'd say we about that. We made our own stuff like that when I was a kid. You just put water in dirt and made mud. It was about as close as we got. Well, a New Zealand man who participated in a motorcycle race just three weeks before his 98th birthday Whoa. was named the world's oldest competitive motorcycle racer by Guinness World Records. The record-keeping organization said Leslie Harris, 98, competed earlier this year at the 43rd Classic Motorcycle Festival in Auckland. Harris was joined in the race by his oldest son, who's 64, and granddaughter, 21. The trio rode in the regular regularity race, which called on competitors to perform the most consistent lap turns. That's probably the safest bet for him. Harris previously took the top spot at the race in 2019 at the age of 93, but he was unable to compete again until this year due to injuries and races being canceled due to COVID-19. Harris ended this year's race in fourth place. Uh, Rod placed 8th and Olivia 21st. That's his son and granddaughter. Pretty cool. I, I will say, you know you're old when you can uh, sit down with uh, multiple generations of your family and compare Social Security checks. 
Yeah. That's, that's, but that is impressive. 98. 98. 98. And, and counting. And clearly in better shape than me. Well, let's see. I'm going to go with this one. Police in Missouri, they responded to a call about an exotic animal in the road and arrived to find a lemur running loosely through the neighborhood. A lemur? Yeah. The two officers responded to the report of the loose lemur um, in the area, and they ended up in a foot pursuit with a small primate. Police said the officers got some help from a couple kind citizens and were able to corner the lemur and wrapped it in a blanket. The department was able to identify the owners of the uh, the pet. Unfortunately, city ordinance prohibits having wild animals, which includes lemurs, as uh, pets in the city limits. The little guy's owner uh, did end up surrendering it to an animal control officer. The lemur has been connected to a local wildlife uh, rescue agency where they will continue to see that he is well cared for. There was a loose lemur in the left lane? Precisely. Likely. Mm. Police in North Carolina responded to uh, remove a ball python that hitched a ride in the front grill of a vehicle. Wow. Canopolis Fire and Police uh, post um, posted on Facebook that Officer Jason Whitley responded with a uh, driver discovered, rather when a driver discovered, the front half of a snake sticking out of the front grill of their Subaru after a drive. Uh, this little guy hitched a ride from Mooresville to Canapolis and didn't want to leave. Well, the uh, officer was able to extract the snake, which appeared to be a ball python from the vehicle. Not something you want to play with. Police said they uh, found a new home for the python, which is believed to be an escaped, abandoned pet. Okay, if you're going to have a pet, please. Keep them in clay, encased, enclosed. You know, to, captivated. To, to, to have a call back to last week's show, I wonder if he was trying to find the Snake Fight Club. It's entirely possible. Hitching a ride. Exactly. Hey, we're, out, we're out of time. We've got news and traffic coming up at the top of the hour. Seattle, have a great weekend. Portland, stick around. Up next, the Christian Outlook. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com. And like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.